Hello, I'm Sophie Aldred, and you're listening to Doctor Who's Line Is It? Anyway, where everything's made up and neither script nor canon matters. Hurrah! Hello listeners, hello lovely listeners, welcome back to Doctor Who's Line Is It Anyway. This week we're having a chat, as we do, and you know what we're having a chat about, obviously, because it's the most significant thing that's happened in the recent past. It's the latest episode of Doctor Who, The Power of the Doctor. Ooh. Now, this was a feature-length episode, and needless to say, that gave us a lot to talk about. So this is part one, <laughs> because we went on for three hours. Oh, my word. And we started at quarter to one in the morning. So this is crazy, crazy. So this is our conversation. We'll head straight over to the five of us talking about this. Ooh, five of us. Yes, five of us. Ooh, yes, we've got a new voice in amongst the mix today. It's not necessarily a new voice to everybody. Uh, somebody who, who has been around in podcasting for a while, but certainly new to us. So without any further ado... Let's go and find out who it is and talk about the power of the Doctor. Hello, hello, lovely, lovely listeners. Welcome back to Doctor Who's Line Is It Anyway? And we're talking about, guess what, new Doctor Who. With us tonight, we have got, as you can probably hear, Sue. Hi. And we know what Sue's going to say. We've got Randy. Hello. We've got Robin. Hi, everybody. And we've got Lindsay. Hello. Yes. Now, some of you may not know Lindsay. Lindsay is one of the hosts of the Trek This Out podcast, which uh, which Suki is also involved in. Extremely good Star Trek podcast. You should listen to it if you if you can. Uh, but she's also a Doctor Who fan. So she's joined us tonight for our discussion of, of course, Power of the Doctor. So we'll have a quick round the table before we crack on with the in-depth stuff. Robin, what did you think of it? I thought it was excellent. I just was blown away by some of the stuff that was packed in there. And I thought the pacing was well done and everything flowed. Everything made sense. Everything that was there had a purpose. And I I mean, I just really, really liked it. Good stuff. Randy, what did you think? Pretty much the same. It was It was hard to imagine what could have been improved. I loved all of the bits thrown in to please us uh, old-time fans. I have a feeling there's probably a lot of uh, Easter eggs in there that I haven't even caught yet. Looking forward to watching it again. I think I think there's there's a there's a host <laughs> there's a host mm-hmm. of them in there. I think it's one of those oh, ones sure. that re- that requires requires two or three watches to uh, to even to even make sure you've got mm-hmm. most of them. Never mind all of them. Yeah. Lindsay, what do you think? Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it too. I think it was a really lovely bla- um, balance. So I am predominantly a New Who fan um, who has kind of dipped in and out of classic Who. Um, but I felt for somebody like me who kind of, I know enough that I understood why it was so important that those people were there and I knew who they all were. But I think they did a really good job of balancing, giving people enough information if they didn't already have it. Um, I thought that was it was really, really cleverly done. I was I was generally impressed. And we're going to have to talk about master dance breaks because those are now my favourite <laughs> subgenre of scenes in Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, we'll definitely come to that. Would you say that that uh, with all the, um, the the references going back before the show the show came back in two thousand and five, that it was something that made you want to go back and see more of the old stuff? Sorry, I'm just going to apologise. I don't know if any of you can hear this, but it's turning out time in Scotland and there's quite a lot of noise outside my flat. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the local wildlife has appeared. The local wildlife has appeared, but hopefully the uh, the noise cancelling will do its job. Um, yeah, I, I think so. Thing, so I... So. Oh, fabulous. Yes, I think it's probably the answer to that question. So I have probably now seen, I think, one episode of 
all of the old doctors, with the possible exception of Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy. Um, I'm not going to number them because I'll get it wrong and then I'll be very embarrassed. Um, <laughs> so I, ha I have seen bits of things and I, I quite like the fact that I have now got some kind of points of reference, like I know who some of the companions are and things like that. So I, I've done some episodes for All of Time and Space, which is another Doctor Who podcast which is Mark Cochran and the gang, and they're lovely and they're great. Um, and what I love about that is that they send me like an episode I have to watch from a particular series and that like I've kind of, if they continue to invite me back, I'll get like one, like a season and that I think will give me a good balance. Yeah. But yes, I kind of want to jump ahead and I want to see Ace in full flight 80s mode and I want to see, I'm less inclined to go back and watch Tegan because <laughs> I suspect <laughs> that Tegan is a companion who would drive me slightly crazy. But one of the things I loved about that is that they brought two companions back and they both felt like different companions. Like they had yes. enough of their own existing story and character and that that was established quite quickly. Yeah, I, I think that was, like I say, it was one of the successes. Excellent. Right. Hold on to your hats, everybody. Sue, what did you think of it? Fantastic. Absolutely loved it. There were bits that, I, of course, I couldn't watch because of the flashing. But mm. I tried. I, like the beginning. Like the beginning. Forget that. <laughs> oh, as soon and, as it started, I thought, oh, yeah. no, Sue. <laughs> I know. I know. And I, all I could think of was, and he's like, no, no, no. And I thought, oh, man. Oh, man. When it started to go, there, it wasn't as flashy. There were parts. And unfortunately, one of them was the, um, the part with, with Ace and, and Tegan and the, the gold bullets, which I didn't even pick up on that they had, were firing gold bullets at the Cybermen because of the flashing. I just thought it was absolutely brilliant. Oh my God, the flashbacks, the being able to see the end of some of these where you do get to see the relationship between the Doctor and Tegan come to a good end. You do get to see the relationship between Ace and, and Seven come to a good end. And the end, everything, everything. And the dance. I cannot get that song out of my head. That dance, but there are, there's, and I'll talk about it when you guys get to it. One bit that just went viral, and it's like that dance was Sasha was brilliant the whole way through. Jody was brilliant. Uh, well, he everybody has been. was brilliant. He has been. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody. And of course, my heart's breaking because I lost my doctor, one of my doctors. I loved her, and I loved Chibnall's writing. And you guys know that I was giving tens to everything. So, you know. That's where I stand. Oh, we've got we've gone past tens. <laughs> well, we've gone. Yeah, we went, there was, there we went past couple, tens some time ago. A couple that I gave so, like, thousands. Because there is ten. no num yeah. There is no number high enough. <laughs> yeah. And this is despite not actually having seen all of the episodes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and only being able to see parts of episodes. Again, one of the things I hope that Russell T does going forward is to please give the, the people with epilepsy and, and migraines and strokes and things like that a break and not do a flash fest every single episode. Mm. I just hope. Well, I don't, think, I don't think you're going to get away from it completely because I think that is part of the universe that, that Doctor Who exists in is, you know, if you're going to have laser fights and... Yeah. explosive regenerations and things like that there's going to be a certain amount of, of flashing and what have you going on but and I did you know, like you say it doesn't, have, as as it doesn't have to be in every episode yeah um, which meant I yeah. put things over my face when I couldn't but I, I was with it pretty much like 80% of the time 80-95% of the time including the end I and I was surprised yeah so. maybe because it wasn't so bright when you got had the the regeneration it was like a yellowy effect rather than a, a flashing white effect that might have been slightly slightly easier on the eye for you that could have been because i couldn't i can't watch chris eccleston's change that's too much of a and and yeah. um, where it's just right there in your face and it's a flash but hers was more gentle because she was gentle yeah excellent i'll shut up good <laughs> <laughs> Well, as as for me, yeah, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, it was a return to form for Chris Chibnall. 
it wasn't without its flaws, but I think there was so much good stuff in there. So many lovely little touches, so much nostalgia. I think the plotting was generally quite good with this. And I feel that, that there were bits, I think possibly because it was a 90 minute special, even though it was fairly full on. Um, I just think that extra time just gave it that little little bit of extra time to breathe in places that that mm-hmm. helped as well. So yeah, I think I think that it was it was definitely one of the more successful episodes that we've had from from Chris. Very similar in many ways to uh, Fugitive of the Jadoon with the with the you know the mm-hmm. surprise cameo returns and and the twists and turns that we had in it. So yeah, I'm I'm positive as well, which is good. We're all positive today. Yay! <laughs> This is good. We don't we don't have Darren here to say anything. I really, really wish we could so to to hear. I would he love he would be well. Both Darren and Nick, who who couldn't be here with us today, have uh, have said that they will send in their own reviews. So they will okay, be uh, either tacked on or edited into what we're uh, to what we're talking about, and uh, and hopefully we will get. Uh, well, I've I've already got Nick's, but I haven't uh, haven't had Darren's yet. So hopefully that will be. Okay. That will be in in time before the episode um, needs to go out. So let's go through it then. Sequentially, I think is probably the uh, the easiest way. We started off, and this I thought was a nice touch. Uh, we started off with with the bullet train, the the quite long cold intro, which was I think very it, almost uh, sort of joining the circle from from how Jodie started because. Obviously, she started falling through the sky and falling through uh, f- through the, the roof of the train in her first her first story, having just regenerated. In this one, we had uh, we had a landing on a train with the companions and and with the cyber masters involved. They were the ones that did the regenerating. So we had regeneration and trains at the beginning and the end of of Jodie's run. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought I thought I thought that was a, that was quite a good sequence, the train sequence. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. I think it bookends it really nicely. I'm always slightly dubious when they do these huge kind of pieces of special effects with like this train running through this like swirly corridor. Um, like there are always moments where I'm like, oh, CGI. Mm. And sometimes I'm like, oh, did you really need to? And then I'm like, but it's great. So let's just live with it. Mm. Um, I think there were lots of lovely touches like Dan, the space, tri- space train driver yeah. man. Yes, um, with his announcement. Yeah, I think I think all of that was quite interesting, and I think that the mystery of who is in, who is, or what is the cargo, um, is always a good place to start. We like a wee mystery. Yes, although this is one of the criticisms I would say I've I've got of the episode, and I think this has been something that was changed from conception to what ended up on the screen. Um, mm-hmm. because there's there's a train with this, oh, this precious cargo on board. The cargo turns out to be a child that as soon as the um, the, 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 the box that the child is in, it was blasted open. My first thought was, oh, is this the timeless child? Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody thought else thought, thought. Yeah, I thought that thought the same thought the because same there was thing. a there was there was a, a there was a similarity there i thought and and it wasn't the child it was the quarrels wasn't it yeah just, so i kind of assumed it was um, some kind of like zoo, zoo intergalactic zoological endeavor to try and protect yes. um, threatened species yeah. or something you you raise a valid point and i think there are there are two things there are one which is that we know that like they obviously played on the timeless child and they wanted you to think it looked like the timeless child because they cast it that way mm-hmm. um and the whole point is that the creature appears as something that will play on your emotion. So it, it, it appeared yes. as a child that had a familiarity to the doctor for a reason. Yeah. And the second question is then, yes. well, why is that particular box the right size for the Corex before, <laughs> before it's visible? But yes. that's one of the many things that you could choose to pick apart. I would be here forever. Yeah. Yeah. So the question then, then still still begs asking the is that was it originally was it going to be the timeless child because obviously that's that's where a lot of the Chibnall era has been focused on and hasn't been addressed really since since flux and I think a lot of people were expecting 
some kind of resolution to the whole timeless child you know saga and so was that what the plan was originally for it to be it to actually be the timeless child and was that then at some point then a decision was made not to go along with that and so the quarrants actually came in as what the what the child was actually you know and turned out to be but that wasn't the plan originally because i had heard some some rumor from somewhere that when the regeneration happened it wasn't going to be into either david tennant or shooty gatwa but it was going to be into the back into the timeless child therefore creating some kind of some kind of loop but whether that was based on you know the fact that there was a there was a child in the episode and maybe that's you know people have put two and two together and come up with with 22 i don't know an unexpected regeneration in the middle and if somebody had maybe had a hint of that and kind of put two and two together they could well come up with 14 or 15 mm. even mm. depending on how you look at it could be anyway we had the nice train sequence which you know the child gets rescued and taken off there was Another Easter egg that I spotted, which was which was in the uh, in the train sequence, when they're on top of the train, and the Doctor goes, "Oh right, I'm going to I'm going to turn off the you know the electromagnetic field that's you know keeping us bolted to the train," mm-hmm. uh, and the Cybermen all start floating off into space. That was the same thing basically that happened in the Moon Base, when the Doctor used the gravitron mm-hmm. to repel the the, the Cyber Force, and they all floated off into space. So that's that's another another. I don't know if it's specifically an Easter egg, but certainly very reminiscent of of mm-hmm. that scene. So could very well have been that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, then then we get the title sequence, which includes Sophie Aldred and Janet Fielding. Mm-hmm. Actually, in the title sequence, that was a nice touch. And then we go back to to 1916, and we meet Rasputin. Sue, were you happy to see Rasputin? <laughs> I don't think I came in yet at that point. I think I came in. Oh, you right didn't. After that because I, think I was, that was pretty close to when you that, came in. Was that when I walked in? I do not. I think remember. so. Okay, so I may have just like looked up and thought, "What the heck is going on?" We see Rasputin or, or uh, Father Gregory to to begin with, but we don't see his face. It's only when he turns up at the palace in St. Petersburg that we zoom up his body and we see that he that okay. it's actually the master. With the, the long beard and the blue contact lenses, which I thought that worked incredibly well, incredibly well. And again, you could say that this is a bit of an Easter egg, that the master basically hiding on Earth as a historical character, something that he's done a couple of times before, Carleen mm-hmm. in Time Flight and Sergio Destram in, in uh, The King's Demons, where he mm. just seemed to be on Earth masquerading as, as a human, playing the long game. How long he'd been there as as Rasputin, goodness only knows. But it was a, uh, it did make perfect sense when you consider that, you know, Rasputin was, you know, the 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 man they couldn't kill. Um, yeah. And if that's that's a time lord, that makes perfect sense that that obviously they would be unable to uh, um, be unable to kill him. So. Sorry, I was going to say I don't know if this makes me a horrible bad fan. So I, obviously, I I knew quite a lot of things uh, beforehand, um, and I knew that, or I. I knew that there was a, a David Tennant um, appearance scheduled to come. And like, intellectually, I knew it was to do with Russell T. Davis, so I knew it wasn't in this episode. But when we saw the back of Rasputin's begin with, I was like, interesting. Interesting. Is it? Is it? And then clearly it wasn't. Um, <laughs> but I, I did wonder at the end, I was like, have we broken history? Because the master leaves. Does he like replace himself with the real Rasputin or does Rasputin just vanish? Because like obviously there's a lot of chat about what does happen to Rasputin when he does eventually get killed. I just have questions, so many questions. And also a question about why 1916, unless it was about wanting to make him Rasputin so that they could use the Boney M song. That's that's well, what suggested. Because literally suggested. there's not a, a history. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's not a historical BBC connection. There's not any logic to why he's in 1916 Russia. Like, there is literally no reason for him to be there. No, one possible connection could be the fact that obviously before becoming the Doctor, Tom Baker was playing mm. Rasputin, and it was Barry Letts and Philip Hinchcliffe going to see that performance that made them think that he was the man who could be the Doctor. So there's a part of it that might be uh, that might be connected to that. 
but I think more likely that, that they just they just thought, well, if the master's going to masquerade as anybody, Rasputin is a, is the is you know is the perfect perfect candidate really. I don't know when he died. I don't know if it was sometime think... shortly after 1916, but it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. I think it's December 1916. I think I checked that. Um, so maybe right. it all happened in December, and maybe it just you know he only changed history a little bit, and it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, there's always uh, there's always a get out clause with Doctor Who, isn't there? So, but yeah, always. no, that was brilliant. And wasn't oh, wasn't that palace spectacular? Mm. Oh yes. I mean, some of some of the shots later on when uh, when the Daleks and the Cybermen are there and, it, and it's filmed from above, and that floor and the ornamentation in the place. <sighs> I don't know if that's uh, obviously they haven't filmed in you know, in the palace in St. Petersburg, clearly it, it's, it's a set, but I don't know if that's a, 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 a rec, um, an, an accurate rendition of it or whether it's just uh, something that they've created to, you know, be in the keeping in the style of, but yeah, it was just, just a spectacular set one, one, one way or the other, definitely. So um, yeah, that was, after that, that was just beautiful, but yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So then we're back on the TARDIS, the TARDIS, um, comes back to earth and dan has got his date and uh, basically then decides that he, he doesn't need to come back and effectively leaves now that was a bit of a surprise early doors mm-hmm. obviously we knew we knew he was in the story we didn't realize he wasn't going to play a fairly significant part clearly he's in the beginning he clearly's in the end but for most of it um that's it he's gone and I think that was that was very cleverly done because why should a companion stay all the way through a story apart from the fact that they've signed a contract with the BBC? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if this is why he wasn't necessarily in the full story, maybe because, you know, he was originally contracted for the amount of stories that, that we were going to get. And then the BBC said they wanted an extra story. And so he'd already effectively left and said, well, you know, I'll... I'll come back and do some of it, but, uh, you know, I've got other commitments now. I can't do the full story or, or, or whatever. I don't know if that's the case, but but certainly from a, a storytelling standpoint, it was it was actually quite a it was surprising. Uh, and it was quite I think it was quite, quite interesting to see to see a, somebody effectively leave the, the TARDIS crew quite so early in a story. I think it was very real. I mean, if somebody's like, you know, I'm done. I'm here. Hmm. I want to stay here. Bye. Holding him into the yeah. TARDIS. He came on the TARDIS, kind of snuck on the TARDIS. He just sort of, I'm done. You know, I'm, I've seen what I need to see. I don't need to see any more. Thanks, mates. Bye. That's a very yeah. real thing. If somebody, you know, if somebody wanted to leave and they're like, you know, I don't feel like doing this anymore. I've had my life written way well, too was, many times. Bye bye. It, it was quite reminiscent of Tegan's departure, wasn't it? Because Tegan, Tegan left because she got a bit overwhelmed by the death and destruction that, that she was seeing and just didn't feel she could take anymore and said basically it stopped being fun. I don't think for Dan it had stopped being fun, but I think when, you know, when the cyber the Cyberman shoots him and uh, there's a hole in his helmet and, and, and he's nearly um, floats off into space and it's only by... Yaz or the doctor, whoever it was, grabbing his 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 hand or his foot or whatever, and stopping him from from floating off. That that stops him from, you know, dying in the wastes of space. I mean, that that is going to open your eyes. Well, especially okay. when you come back to Earth and you can live a normal life, and that crap isn't going to happen. Occasionally mm. it might, but that crap's not going to happen. It's like you know what? Just about died. Time for me to go. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> And and like he said, you know, he he could he could attack his life now w- with the 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 knowledge that he's accumulated from his time with the Doctor. So good for him, and a nice a nice departure. And even though it wasn't a complete departure, because obviously he comes back <laughs> he comes back later on. But but he's left he's left the TARDIS crew. So so yeah, so that was good. So then we get whilst all this is going on, the the, uh, the doctor is in the TARDIS, and uh, a message comes through from a, from a Dalek, which was was a surprise. I didn't think the Daleks were going to be in this as much as they were. I figured we'd probably see a reasonable amount of the Cybermen. I figured that we were going to, it was going to be mostly the Master, but I didn't realise that we were going to get quite so much of the Daleks as we did, and and I thought that that, that side of things worked quite well. But this was a Dalek traitor. 
a Dalek that no longer believed in, as it said, the Dalek mission. And again, a nice little callback by stating, you know, why the Daleks were created in the first place. So references there to Genesis, so you know, about to, mm. having to to um, to prolong the Khalid race. A, a lovely little touch, I thought as well, was again this is a this is a deep dive, but when it said that um, you know that that the the Dalek mission has been tainted, the Daleks have lost the right to survive, which is exactly what Davros said to the Khaleds in Genesis that they'd lost the right to survive. Mm. So the script is being written by, obviously, somebody who knows the Doctor Who ethos and the Doctor Who history very well and is, is throwing these things in there very nicely. Also calling it the Dalek incursion of Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so then the, doc, the Doctor array, um, obviously agrees to, to meet up with the Dalek to, to get this information at some point. And uh, we then, this is where we find out that the Master is Rasputin then back in, in 2016 where he speaks to the to the czar and and says you know you need to go off and need to go off and take a holiday obviously so that that leaves the palace empty so that he can have the daleks and the cybermen there and i'm afraid my history isn't strong enough to know that so i'm busy googling (laughs) 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 i suspect it may have to do like i I do think there was a yeah rasputin exerted control in the romanovs in some ways including i think trying to convince them to do things that didn't make sense to anybody else like leaving the Winter Palace in the middle of winter. Which is a good point, in the middle of winter. So that would be December. So I don't it does, know. It does, it does. I have to say, I, my, my, my research has not gone that far, so I am mostly <laughs> hypothesising. Well, I, I think it's reasonable to assume that we can uh, that we can say that this is going to be sometime very, very close to Rasputin's death, and, and this is the reason why we don't have to worry about... <laughs> worry about um, whether whether we've made a, a canonical historical mistake here with um, with Rasputin still continuing to survive sometime after the story finishes. Yes, um, I think we we can we can just decide to assume such things. Yes. So nice touch again with the, the master saying, and, and don't forget the most important thing, and the czar going that you are the master and I will obey you. That was that was nice. So then the doctor meets up with the um, with the Dalek and gets them gets the information that she needs. The, the Daleks are, are are on Earth in volcanoes, uh, and this is obviously the scheme that the Master has got uh, for the, the Daleks to take over the the planet by basically wiping out humanity by erupting all the volcanoes and making the planet uninhabitable for humans. What did we think of that as a as a plan? Okay. It's about as sensible as their normal plans, I think. Yeah, it's like, well, okay, it it would work. It's a, either the ash is gonna, the lava is gonna get you, the gas is gonna get you, or the ash is gonna get you, and the and the the Daleks have no need to worry about any of it. So it's like, yeah, if you want to completely destroy Earth, that'll take care of all life. I suppose that's that's where, like, again, if you want to start digging into it, these things fall apart. So I'm like, right, okay. So in 1916, the Cybermen have a cyber conversion planet where they can convert oceans of folk. And I realise that it has multiple purposes, but if it's a cyber conversion planet, converting lots of people would seem to be one of the the primary functions of it. Um, and then in the 20, like in, in 2022, there's also the Daleks who are just gonna like blow everybody up. You know, it's like a a, a double death plan, like. Yeah, maybe this is how the master has persuaded both the Daleks and the Cybermen to come on board with him, saying to both of them that if they team up, then they can get rid of the Doctor, and that the the uh, the Cybermen can convert all the humans from uh, nineteen sixteen, giving them you know, a, a vastly uh, in, increased population of Cybermen. And then when it comes to 2022, the Daleks can come along and destroy the planet and pilfer its its resources, and then everybody wins. But probably the Daleks don't know what the Cybermen's part in it is, and the Cybermen don't know what the Daleks' part in it is. So mm-hmm. can't imagine that the Master's just gone, hey, guys, I've got this idea. What do you think? And then and the, the Daleks and Cybermen are just going, hey, all right, then. <laughs> there's there's got to be uh, there's got to be more to it than that. But obviously, also- these are deep. Yeah. Oh, this is the second time I've I've felt bad and fallen in love with the Dalek. 
This is the second time. Because in Dalek, I felt so bad for that Dalek, and I absolutely adored it. And, you know, it exterminated a couple of people, but that's okay. And in <laughs> um, the Dalek this time, the, the Dalek trader, I felt so bad for that Dalek trader. I was like, oh, I don't want that Dalek to die. <laughs> it's just, you know, I felt bad. So that's the, that's the second time I felt bad for a Dalek. It was a good-looking Dalek as well. I mean, I know it was ba- it was battered and scarred and scraped and scratched and what have you. But uh, I thought I thought it was a. It, it didn't seem like the, the the sort of standard bronze color scheme. It looked like a darker color scheme with sort of goldy bumps on it. And I thought that that worked really nicely. Yeah, it was very nice. It was it was. I just thought that was a very neat touch that the Dalek goes. The master's Dalek plant. <laughs> I'm sorry that the Dalek said, you know, mm-hmm. this is not going the way it should go. And I'll side with you because I believe in the way it should go. And I thought that was just a neat touch that even in with the most evil creatures in the world is what they they're billed as, them and the Cybermen. There was something inside of it that said, but we're not doing what we said we would do. And I thought that was such a cute and a nice touch. And all oh, that broke my heart to see him go poor. We're we're, get, we're getting that quite a bit, aren't we? Recently, because we've kind of had it, like you say, in Dalek. Um, yeah. We've kind of had it in Daleks of Manhattan. Kind of had it with with Rusty in Into the Dalek. So you know, we're getting we're getting these these examples cropping up of Daleks questioning things. Only only the odd one or two, and obviously most of them are just continuing to be bastards. But right. um, the odd but the I mean, odd one or two is, are just yeah. You know, it's also the a bastard. Like I think, like it for me, what I thought was really impressive is the fact that it has it is a Dalek traitor, but in the most like Daleky way of all time. Like he's not going to the doctor because he thinks, like you know, what it is the Daleks are doing is fundamentally evil. He's doing it because he thinks <laughs> that they're so incompetent that they don't deserve to survive. Like that they're not. Yeah. Like that felt very Dalek. That kind of like black or white kind of like well if you can't do what it is you're supposed to be doing well then you should be obliterated from the planet yeah well they they can't change everything about him but at least he's getting a little bit of he feels that he needs to remain true to what they were and what they were is to blast everything into oblivion but um so he's still he's still true to himself he still wants to exterminate just not the way that the, the daleks are exterminating so i guess you would say that he's Getting to be a moral Dalek, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. Well, well, get into an interesting conversation about moral differentiation, I think. But yeah, I think it, it was by, interesting by as well. Standard, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, principled. <laughs> right, principled so, might be the better word. There we go. Yeah. Yes. 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 Principled Dalek. Right, so then we get to the uh, the next interesting part, back on the TARDIS, and the Doctor gets uh, a message, presumably from the space-time telegraph that UNIT have had since the Tom Baker time, so another nice callback to Revenge or, or Terror of the Zygons, to go back to UNIT. UNIT are back. I don't know quite when uh-huh. UNIT are back. Obviously, they, they, got, they got their funding back again, and Kate Stewart's back in charge and has uh, started employing freelancers. <laughs> <laughs> And so the doctor, the doctor comes back, and we meet up with Ace and Tegan, and so did the doctor. And what a moment that was! It's reminiscent, obviously, of a school reunion when, when the doctor meets up with Sarah Jane again for the first time in uh, in many many years, and uh, and this time it's uh, it's not one but two companions. Sue, did you uh, did you explode at that point? Mm. I, I think I was out of the room at that point, and I walked back in right after it happened. Hmm. I don't remember seeing that. Either that or I'm having, like, just because I'm all excited about the the episode, I'm having selective bits of my memory gone. But I don't remember that. I remember right after it when, when they came down the plank, when they came down the walkway. So I'm not sure. So I'm just going to leave that there. I don't remember that. I think I called you into the room when they appeared. I may have been in the bathroom. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> in the obvious. I may have been in the bathroom and Randy's like, get out here now! <laughs> <laughs> well, considering how much oh, you were looking go. forward to seeing them again, yes, yeah. It was yeah. an awkward reunion, wasn't it, in some ways? 
And Tegan wasn't very happy to see the doctor. Well, I think happy to see the doctor, but just obviously aggravated, it's odd, really, because yeah, aggravated. Be, but then dropped and basically forgotten. Yeah, but then you know Tegan had made the the choice. You know, I I don't want to do this mm -hmm. anymore. It's not fun. Whether she expected to see the doctor again at some point, presumably, you know, based on this, we can assume, we can assume that she did. But you know, knowing how reliable that the doctor was when it came to piloting the TARDIS, it shouldn't have come to too much of a surprise to her to, to realise that she wasn't going to see him again. But yes, that was Tegan being Tegan. Ace was far more reasonable about things, I think. Which is odd, really, because we we subsequently find out that they parted on bad terms, and they had a bit of right. a falling out. Obviously, we didn't see that on on screen, and I believe that when it came to the new adventures, that there was definitely a bit of a falling out. So whether mm -hmm. whether that's actually a reference a reference to that or Wasn't not, that or love whether and this war, yeah yes love it was and yeah, and in Big Finish the yeah. same thing on that one. Yeah, well, I Big Finish have... has given us both sides of the coin, haven't they? Because they've given us where the storyline would have gone and uh, and just yeah. sort of continuing adventures with. So, yeah. Have you listened to the Big Finish audio of Love and War? I haven't. I have. It's well you... worth, I highly, highly recommend it. It's well worth a listen. And mm -hmm. it shows you I'm, a I'm... different side to the Doctor that expect to see. And that's yeah. all I'm going to mm. say about it because it's it's a great story. And yeah. she refers to it. Yeah. She literally refers to it when they when they talk. Not to that story. She refers to her feelings towards the doctor at that point. And yeah, you'd love it, Miles. I promise you. Well, I'll, I'll definitely catch up with it at some point. I'm I'm way adrift with with my big finish stuff. I just haven't had any time for anything recently. So yeah, it's it's out there and it's not going anywhere. So I will catch up with it at some point. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Right. So I think that we've got to the point then where yeah, that's right. The doctor then goes off and uh, and goes to a quarry. Obviously, you had to, didn't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you had to get had to get a quarry in at some point. Yes, and this is where we find the second TARDIS, and the the Quarrox becomes not disguised anymore as as a as a human child, and the, and the Doctor realizes that it's a cyber conversion planet. Obviously, like you like we've said, there's there's more than one type of conversion going on with this, but that's pr primarily what it's for. And so, uh, we get the message from the Master. Oh no, the message from the Master is is back in unit, isn't it? Yeah. When uh, when uh, when we're getting the when Kate is showing all the pictures to, to, to talk about the seismologists going missing, and then we've got all the pictures that have been changed, so that they've got the face of Rasputin in there, which obviously we we know is the Master. Uh, and then, lo and behold, the Master pops up on the screen and uh, and says, "Right, you need to uh, you need to come to uh, come to my seismology con um, conference." And so they do. And we see we see the master in the debating chamber or whatever it is, uh, with all the the tiny little uh, eagle moss figures <laughs> that uh, the, the old the old seismologists in there, and and the doctor and the master meet again, and and the master is immediately captured basically. So this is good because it gives us the, the meeting of the master and Tegan and Ace. So we get re another reunion. Which which was good. A lot of banter going on between them there, with him saying to, to Kate Stewart that her dad was an idiot, uh, asking Tegan if she keeps her auntie, auntie Vanessa in her box. Yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah. that was funny. <laughs> and uh, and then Ace saying that oh, the last time that that she saw him he was half cat. Mm. So yeah. <laughs> all good stuff. In the meantime, whilst this is going on, the Doctor has uh, has gone off to meet the Dalek that uh, subsequently gets destroyed. And um, and the Daleks order the Doctor into the casing. Now that was an interesting, mm -hmm. uh, similar many in, in many ways, I suppose, to the whole Weeping Angel thing from last year when the, we think the Doctor's turned into a Weeping Angel, and it turns out just to be a transportation device. This is them using the Dalek casing to um, 
basically to hold the doctor whilst they uh, they transport her back to uh, to the master. But reminiscent again of Clara being in inside mm-hmm. the Dalek mm-hmm. in, um, in asylum. So and again little little callbacks left right and center. And then we get to the forced regeneration. So what do we think of this? This is this is one of the masters <laughs> equally balmy plans mm-hmm. to. Uh, to erase the doctor from existence and to basically become the doctor in her place. What did we think of that? Because it that's properly bonkers. <laughs> yeah, that's me. But Good that, word that for is, it. Yeah. yeah, but it was cool. It was cool, but did it really make sense? I'm still not sure. Kind oh no, it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's it fundamentally. Yeah, it, but it kind of did. I mean, his whole thing was at that point and, and, and looking at how he was so jealous that she was the first. He was going to be the doctor. He wanted to be the doctor. I mean, it has nothing mm-hmm. to do with logic. It has nothing to do with, with anything except his jealousy towards her because she was the first and he was not. And he wanted to be her. He wanted to be the doctor. He was going to be the doctor. He didn't want to be the master. He wanted to be the doctor and the master. And I I, I, like, I do fundamentally get that, but like he didn't become the doctor. No, he, he was he still was, the master, wasn't he? He was, he was, he was, he was the master's the master personality the and the master's body. Like, I, mm. I think I think for me, the issue is that like a regeneration. Yes, they're different. And yes, they have different characteristics, but they have the memories. They have the same I'm going to say the same principles, uh, despite the fact that they sometimes play out slightly differently. Like, it it, it didn't feel like a forced regeneration to me so much as he killed her and decided to take her place. Like, he could have just killed her is, and then gone yeah. around saying, "I'm the doctor." I think this is basically this is basically it because they were in the two machines, weren't they? And it was like it took everything that was the master and put it into the doctor's body, so that he was. He was kind of he was inside the doctor and the doctor had been removed and put into the remains of the master's body. So the master is still fundamentally the master. But being in the doctor's body, I suppose, officially is the doctor. That's about the only way I think I can kind of get my head around it, because <laughs> quite clearly, I, like we've said, I, you know, the, 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 re, the regeneration was wasn't so much a regeneration, no. more of a, a, a transformation into into somebody else rather than actually being the doctor. It, it felt uh, like something out of a, a really bad old B movie, or even I think it's been done in cartoons, the whole body swap idea. Yeah. And yeah. Well we've had this... we've had body swaps before, haven't we? We we had yeah. we had Cassandra and the doctor swapping bodies. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. you know and Cassandra was was still Cassandra, even though the, she was in the Doctor's body yeah. at that point. This yeah. is this is this to me is kind of the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, Not only possibly on a on a longer. on a more yeah on a slightly more genetic level, maybe because of because of Gallifreyan technology. So, but yes, no, I, I'm, don't agree, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the joy of these things. Like we all take different things from them. I think for me, if they'd done it kind of like a quantum leap styley, so that you know, we could see Sasha Dewan as the Doctor, because I think that was wonderful, and I wouldn't want anybody to take that away from us. I think it was a beautiful performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but that to the rest of the world, they still appeared to be like the Jodie Doctor. Like I, I think that would have made more sense. Like his consciousness had been transferred. But then it wouldn't have been a regeneration, so we wouldn't have had all the regeneration chat. So, like, I do get it, and like, I'm I'm not hung up about it. I just looked at that one. But it's not really a forced regeneration, is it? No. And if it is, do we not now have to say that that the fourteenth Doctor is Sasha Dewan? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which makes Kinda. the fifteenth Doctor. The fifteenth Doctor, David Tennant, and the sixteenth Doctor, Judy no. Gadwin. So, no, the fifteenth Doctor I mean, is, is Josie again. The sixteenth oh, yeah. yes, is yes, David Tennant. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Because he's the fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth, and then Judy, seventeenth. Yeah. 
the numbering system has gone to pot, hasn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> Again, like the Master Doctor was, it was a stroke of genius. I think Sasha Dwan, like, is has been phenomenal as the Master in general. I think this episode was a total standout. And I think the costuming was also, oh, yeah. like, chef's that was kiss. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean his uh, his Rasputin costume is um, is superb, and uh, the Osgood level of cosplay when when he becomes inverted commas the Doctor, you know, with mm. Troughton's trousers and McCoy's pullover and Jodie's coat and Tom's scarf and Davison's celery, I don't know if there was any any other part of the costume that that. Uh, got anything from anybody else but i think that was that was fundamentally all of it but yes mm-hmm. a, i think the tie was david tennant's but i could be wrong the tie i think yes so, I think, yeah. I it looked generic was, enough I, that the shirt and tie could have been david yeah. tennant let's put it that way i thought and, and i thought so as well yes it's kind of sad too in the fact that he's he's there saying i am the doctor master's body but he's i am the doctor has all the pieces of all these different doctors i am the doctor now i mean it's almost yeah. like that was his all-consuming desire. And yeah. the rest of everything is like, I don't give a shit about anything else. I just wanted to be the doctor. I am, well, you know, that kind of thing. And, and you mentioned cosplay, and that's sort of what it looks like because he's incorporating all the elements of the actors he's played yeah. against. Yeah, it's almost like he's trying too hard to be the doctor. Yeah. But he's, he, because he knows that he actually isn't, he knows mm-hmm. that he's still the master. But he's trying to sort of be as doctorish as, as he can to try and convince mm. probably himself and anybody else, really, I suppose. Even to sit down and play a tune on the recorder. Yes. Yeah. That was cute. And, I uh, love that. I love that. Um and there was that uh, that that brilliant bit where he's he's talking to Yaz and and he says, uh, I am the doctor and you will obey me. So he's using his yes. own almost his own catchphrase, mm-hmm. but just substituting the word doctor for the word master. So I think it's worth noting uh, that I think Mandip Gill's performance in the star episode is also really strong. Um, but when she's playing against the master, I think it, it works really well because there is that like that abject terror that this is somebody that you know that you care about who has been destroyed effectively and mm. you know the rush enemy has apparently has become like i think i think it's it works really well because there's that, that duality between the fear and the terror and the straightening of the shoulders and the well stuff it, i'm gonna have to try and fix this like mm. particularly when she uh, shuts yes. the door on him and like leaves and he's just like well it's fine yeah. i've got time i'll just wait yeah Yes, and then she, 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 when she comes back, he just goes better. <laughs> and he's, he's egotistical was, enough to think was, that she would just decide that she was wrong and come back for him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very, very much, very masterish that. Interesting, though, what you were saying about that, about Yaz, you know, sort of facing her fears and what have you. Very similar to what happens later on with Kate when she surrenders herself to, in, to try mm. and save the rest of the unit troops. You know, knowing that she's probably going to be converted into a Cyberman at that point. So very, very comparable, I would have said. I have um, some interesting kind of Star Trek Doctor Who kind of clashing thoughts going on. So I think like Star Trek could learn a lot about how they deal with the Borg from how Doctor Who deals with the Cybermen, because I think they are more successfully reimagined and made more threatening in Doctor Who. I think Star Trek struggles with the Borg about like once they've been defanged, it's hard for us to figure out a new way for them to be refanged. Whereas the Cybermen this time around were like, gold bullets, bast. Um or, or regenerating mm. Cybermen, which is terrifying. For me, I think with Kate... Yeah, and, and a shad I, as well. Yes, yeah. absolutely. A, a shad as, the, as the, the, the half Cyberman, you know, not fully converted, mm. but I mean... The bit where he's he's marching through the uh, the unit building, shooting people left, right, centre, completely without any any sort of compunction, offhandedly just shooting people and grabbing people and and that that purposeful stride. Whereas the Cybermen have got more of a a mechanical march to them. He's an extremely good character because he's not that emotionless thing that the Cybermen are, which has always been one thing that to a to a point has kind of held them back because you, you kind of need 
you kind of need the emotional drive as opposed to just the purely logical drive and their their, their logic is obviously flawed because it's it's logic biased to whatever their aims are uh, whereas with a shad you've got you know almost that rage that that anger that pure just dis- despising of everything extremely extremely good character I'm, I'm i was pleased to see him back even though it made yeah. no damn sense whatsoever that's <laughs> the joy of doctor who because he because he, he was cloned he was cloned apparently master did a thing moving on yeah yeah well that's he's, it he's... you know how many times has the master escaped from somewhere and it's just well i escaped oh, all right then and that's it you don't know how did the master control the video screen from his cell? How did the master spontaneously get the uh, the shrunken Cyberman, but who happened to be also a Russian doll Cyberman, to like grow? Like, like you can't interrogate it like that because it never stands up. No, and it's and, not and fun. Also, it when when, when, when when the um, when the Cybermen break him out of the cell, and he then pulls a chunk of the cell off from the floor, which I don't know what, how he managed to do that, I don't know. But then the first thing he does is he breaks something on the wall, yes. takes the thing out of it, and transports. So how the hell well, how the hell did that get there? <laughs> what was it? Was it did he put it in there so, at some point? It's I mean it, it makes no it doesn't make any difference. It's a it's a very, very minor detail. It doesn't impact on the story. But when you start looking at it you know, in in further detail, it's like, how? <laughs> I don't I don't get I don't get what that thing was and how he knew it was there. Or, well, I, I I like to believe that somewhere in a script somewhere there was like a tour of the new building that was given to the companions or the doctor, whereby there would have been a reference to the fact that it was like an emergency escape transporter or something, but it got caught, so we didn't get it. Well, I mean, let's be honest, uh, throughout the whole building, there were panels with things in them, guns and uh, and parachutes and all kinds of things, you know, so I suppose yeah, it's but entirely the less reasonable. Said about the... some kind of... Very true. The less said about the really dodgy, I think it was a lift shaft. <laughs> <laughs> that whole scene is so, so utterly ridiculous, particularly when she then seems to drop several stories down and then just like walk out the bottom 20 minutes later yes again no no explanation for that probably at that point it's it's things are rattling along so quickly that you don't see the resolution of it whether that was something that was filmed and we and was just cut for time i don't know but you just accept that well somehow or other <laughs> you know she she, she survives uh, survives quite successfully whereas obviously ace parachuting off the building and then landing in the TARDIS in that incredible sequence where she goes through the doors and then somehow mm. or other turns the right way up. That was just cool. just brilliant. Mm. Absolutely. You 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 uh, do by, you just take these things. By this point, of course, Yaz has teamed up with Vinda, who is back in the story for reasons that um can anybody explain <laughs> why why we've got Vinda back? Because I don't I, really think he was he was necessary to the plot at all. I don't think. No, you know, but it's a we, cool character. And I it's it's a cool character. It's foreshadowing for whatever's going to happen next. Vinder's going to be involved. I'm not it's so sure because Vinder is very, very much a, very much a Chibnall character, and Chibnall's not there anymore. So. I don't know if but we if we will. Hasn't he could yes. reappear? I felt it was maybe a, a casting issue because obviously we didn't get Ryan back, and I wondered they needed somebody to pull the pull a gun on the master who had been stowed away, and I wonder if at some point there's supposed to have been a plot line with Ryan and Graham, which would explain how Graham ended up ready to fight the Daleks too, oh, and that that should yeah. have been a, a a Ryan part. But then they realised they weren't going to get him, so they had to write in a whole big thing for Rinder, maybe. Possibly, possibly that could be it. I mean, who who knows? You know, I would imagine that this is a story that Chris Chibnall has been working on for probably since before the start of Flux, 
knowing that you know Jodie was going to be going and so planning for the final final episode and wanting to go out with a bang and I think the fact that the, the BBC wanted uh, wanted a cent- centenary episode has given him the facility to to throw in you know all the continuity references and all the cameos and and have the Daleks and the Cybermen and the Master you know all together because it, it fits with looking back over the history of the of the program and and the history of the BBC all of which you know are tied inextricably together that it, it's entirely possible that 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 could have been the case however speaking of cameos we've kind of skipped a thing uh we've we skipped a few things but go on go on well, well, I, think <laughs> well, just, I think i I think we're just getting to it aren't we the, with the doctor then sort of, monologue yes yes and obviously we see what is our, our new version of the first doctor and then and then we get the sixth doctor and then we get the fifth doctor and then we get the eighth doctor and then we get the seventh doctor all together and what a what a brilliant way of allowing all the actors to come back and play the same part but mm-hmm. not have to worry about how they look now but and it has to be said you know obviously Colin's changed quite a bit Sylvester looks a lot older Peter Davison is 71 and he still passes very convincingly, I think, as as the fifth doctor, not really looking massively different. I don't know what what he's what kind of deal with the devil he's made, but that that man is, 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 is still managing to pull off looking almost the same as he did 42 years ago. It's obviously in the genes because his daughter also looks like she's in her early twenties still. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And as we've seen with uh, with her daughter's husband, it's sixteen years since he started playing the part, and he he doesn't really look any different either. No, no, he doesn't. So it's yes, I mean, turn of the hair lasers. Yeah, yeah, but yow. I mean, how fantastic to actually see Paul McGann in the main show as opposed to you know we obviously we, we had night of the doctor which was mm-hmm. superb but actually to have him as the doctor in doctor who properly again yeah, and and that. in his costume it's the only one who, who wasn't wearing the robes as well well Just i love that fun. because it was hilarious that him and sylvester had a little you know why aren't you wearing the robes i don't do robes there's always one that kind of thing back and forth because of Sylvester giving his TARDIS up to to, the, to Paul. It's just, I thought that was really cute. Yeah. Plus, there's always there's always been you know this this discourse between the between the Doctors with the uh, the various regenerations not getting on, and so there's always been a little bit of antagonism between them, and that was that was good to see. But fundamentally, you know, all of these these uh, elements of the Doctor's consciousness are there in this story just to help the doctor reach that decision and obviously from a doyalist perspective to interact with the companions and give us all these wonderful moments these wonderful nostalgic moments great to see jody's doctor talking to tegan and then transforming into into the fifth doctor and that little conversation tegan saying well you know cyberman you know it's you can imagine what i'm thinking can't you what what do you think? You know when you see this, you know, Adric, just just so, really emotional. You know, my my wife doesn't know a lot of the the history. She you know she's followed it all. She's watched a lot of this with with me. She's she's not into it in any way near, near the same way that I am. But she was saying that she found it a very emotional episode, and I think it was. I think it really mm-hmm. it it was really well done. We've had this a few times, and Chibnall's done it done it a few times himself where where the show really it just gets to you it just gets to you and you don't you don't need to know it, obviously it has more of an emotional impact if you do know the backstory and you are familiar with the characters and Lindsay you'll probably be uh be a, a, a you know able to sort of enlighten us further on this score but were you were you moved by these scenes with people that you weren't really that familiar with? Absolutely. And I think, so the way that I put it is that none of these doctors are my doctor. You know, I think a lot of 
um, fans who have been watching Who for a long time and who would consider them sort of you know classic uh, Who fans, like it's because Peter Davison was their doctor when they were whatever. You know, I mean, the, like the, there's all that emotional attachment, and and I, I like I've been there, and like you know I feel that way about you know when Janeway reappears in Star Trek, I'm like, oh, this is my my Star Trek. Um, but yeah, no, I totally got it. I thought a I wasn't expect like. I wasn't expecting it. We all kind of were expecting it, but I would like I wasn't I wasn't sh- sure we were going to get to see all of them in, in the episode again. Um, so I thought that that scene on the per- um, precipice was done incredible. Pres- yeah, precipice, precipice. Mm-hmm. It was done incredibly well, and then those interactions, those just little moments, and the plot device to allow that to happen is really clever. Um, like this emergency. I'm going to call it an emergency medical hologram. Emergency medical hologram. hologram. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wait, it's a doctor and it's a hologram. <laughs> <laughs> made me very happy. Well, the thing, and it's for the emergency. Is, we have had the, the, the doctor as a hologram several times previously since the show's come back, starting with Eccleston. And then we've had it with Matt Smith. Uh, I think we had it with Matt Smith, didn't we? I think we've had it with Capaldi, yeah. and uh, and so you, you know there is there is history with it, and this is why the doctor says, you know, this is I've been working on this literally forever, um, and yeah, the fact that we now have this, yeah, but the fact that we now have this as part of you know part of the TARDIS systems means that basically if we want any of any of the previous actors to come back at any point, then that's the way that they can do it. They've he's actually created a way so that we can get any of the previous doctors back without having mm-hmm. to worry about what they look like and not not just for this but any time in the future so <laughs> bravo if that's the only thing he's remembered for doing bravo bravo chris chibnall and i think so there, there, there will always be a part of me that's slightly sad that when we do get these moments they kind of stop at the end of classic Who, and obviously that's for very sensible reasons um, not least of all because Christopher Eccleston was was kind of quite disengaged and, and not keen to, to be involved in any of this stuff for a long time. I'm kind of hoping now that he's come back into the fold and he's a bit more um, a bit happier about his involvement with Doctor Who and, how, and what, what that means, that we might at some point in the future get a run of Doctors that does include the new Who Doctors that would make me very happy too but I, like, I, I still enjoyed it I think, I, like I say, I think it was handled so well that we, they gave us enough backstory they gave us enough context for you know which doctor belonged to ace which doctor um, belonged to tegan and about mm. their separate characters and like i i just i think that was managed really nicely because it could have been yeah. horrible yeah yes it's it's a shame really in, in a way that um that we couldn't have had um maybe I mean, obviously, Nicola Bryant would have been the the most logical um, option, but with the companions that we were using, they were companions who who were supposedly still on Earth. I mean, we don't know quite how how Mel Bonnie Langford um, came back because the last thing we saw, she was disappearing off with Glitz, and um, and didn't have any sort of time travel capabilities. But somehow or other, she's ended up back on Earth. So it would have been nice in a way if she'd had a bit more of a role to play in this and then we could have had the same kind of thing with Colin but possibly when you look at Tegan and when you look at Ace you know they were substantial companions with the doctors that they were with and Tegan left because she couldn't take any more with you know with the with the death and destruction and we know from the you know from the from the, um, the Virgin New Adventures that that there had been issues with uh, with the Doctor and and Ace, so yeah, there were parts of the return for both of those that 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 meant that there was some kind of resolution to their storylines, maybe a, a bit of closure for the characters, and so from a, a storytelling perspective, that was that was good. But it would have been nice if there had been something that Colin could have done in the same way. Uh, obviously, with um, with McGann, you know, none of none of the companions that. Uh, that he had appeared on the TV, so apart from Grace, and she was only in one story, so you can't really you can't really say anything with that. So and and, but with the with the other Doctors, you had those two examples where you could have that 
that interaction and it would have been nice if Colin had had the same thing as well particularly considering you know how how things ended up for him he didn't he didn't get the the cleanest of runs and he's always been so supportive of the show it would have been lovely if he'd had his little moment there as well it was nice that they managed to find a way to bring the Ruth doctor into it as well though to, that yeah. we got well that was the that was, yeah. Sorry, that was that was the one thing that really wasn't a surprise to me. I I, I didn't I didn't expect to see uh, all the previous doctors in this, which I suppose in a way I should have done because bearing in mind that we had Ace and Tegan coming back. But I was I was thinking if we were going to see the, the you know the old the older doctors coming back in that that was going to be in the 60th rather than this. But I wasn't at all surprised to see the Ruth Doctor because obviously that's a that's a Chibnall creation. And I've said it even on this podcast a few times that I would have been stunned if we hadn't seen her at some point. But obviously, you know, having this having this interface, being able to take on different aspects of the Doctor, it was just natural that once that was in play, that that's you know we were going to actually get to see the Ruth Doctor back again that way. So, yeah, good. And we've been Doctor Who's lines it anyway. Thank you and good night. Yeah, sorry. It has reached that point where it is at two o'clock in the morning here and my brain is also fried. <laughs> so there you go, listeners. That's part one. Part two will follow in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully next week. If I can get it finished in time, there's a lot of editing to do with this one, particularly as we did have a few problems with the connection, uh, with bits cutting in and out. So I'm not quite sure exactly how much we've got. We will also have reviews from Nick and Darren, both of whom weren't obviously available for for this particular version of the chat. Uh, That will come next time. So let's look forward to that. Uh, Take care and see you soon. Bye. All of us here on BBC One, a very good night. Good night.